Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. Well, I hope that uh, with the children leading us in worship this morning and uh, with all of these decorations that you see in this room and on stage, I hope that uh, you've been able to just get a small taste of the, the joy and the excitement that Vacation Bible School brings to our kiddos each year. Uh, as they're up here throughout the week. You know, one of the things that I love about Vacation Bible School is all of the the decorations. I love uh, as the butcher paper goes up on the walls and the streamers and the posters and as all of these decorations go up, it, it, it begins to transform uh, this building into to a completely different space. And, and let me just tell you, this transformation does not happen overnight. There, there were many hours spent leading up to Vacation Bible School uh, to prepare all of these spaces to be engaging uh, spaces for these children to learn in, to, to sing songs in, and to have fun in. So let me just pause right here to say thank you to all of our VBS workers, to those that decorated, to those that came and served, whether you were serving food, whether you were teaching a class or leading games. Uh, thank you to all of our VBS workers. Uh, certainly while while the week is over, it was a temporary week, right? We did some temporary things. The impact of Vacation Bible School will certainly be eternal. And so thank you for your faithfulness to these kids. Thank you for your faithfulness to the church body. But most importantly, thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord and to his good news that we were able to share each and every night with the kids within these transformed spaces up here. So we're in a series right now titled Rooted. As we're going through this series, we're simply walking through the book of Colossians, and really we're coming to the end of the series. Next week is going to be the end of our walk through the book of Colossians. And then uh, on July 10th, we're going to launch into a new series in the book of Psalms uh, titled A Soundtrack for Life. We're just going to look at 10 different psalms, 10 different songs that were sung before the Lord. But, but as we continue to think about these transformed spaces here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, uh, really the greater desire in all of the work wasn't simply to transform rooms. It wasn't simply to transform spaces. The greater desire, the moti- motivating factor in all of it was transformed hearts, that, that children would hear God's word, that they would hear the good news that Jesus died for them, that Jesus rose again, and that in Jesus Christ uh, they can receive a, a Lord, they can receive salvation, they can receive uh, redemption, that they can receive this transformed life. The, the goal was not transformed spaces, the goal was transformed hearts. You know... The gospel has the power to transform our lives. And so the question is, is has your life been transformed by the power of the gospel? Has your life been transformed by the power of the gospel? Have you, more than simply attending church, have you heard this truth that that you have sin in your life? We all do. 
and that our sin needs forgiveness, our sin needs redemption, our sin needs a Savior. And, and so Jesus came into this world all those years ago to die on the cross for your sins and mine. He rose again victoriously, and when we place our faith in Him and in Him alone, we will receive the salvation that we need. We will receive the, this transformed life. So has your life been transformed by the power of the gospel? And if it hasn't, then my prayer would be that today as we look at God's word, that the truth of his word would get into your heart and that today would be that day for you to receive a transformed life in him. Now, as we think about the world that we live in, quite honestly, the world is not going to tell you where you can receive the transformation that is truly needed in our life. But I will tell you this, the world knows that transformation is needed. How do I know this? Because currently, on average, 18.6 million self-help books are sold each year. Right? The world knows that transformation is needed, and so people are searching and they are trying to, to provide this transformation, to change their lives, to do it themselves. But in the end, if we truly want a transformed life, an eternally transformed life, it's not going to be found in a self-help book. But it will be found in this book. It will be found in the Jesus that we learn about in this book because, because our lives will be transformed and can be transformed by Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. That's why throughout this series, I have been reminding you each week that we are to root our lives in Jesus. We are to root our lives in Jesus because the world is going to tell you, do it yourself. Help yourself. Try and transform yourself. But if we truly want an eternal transformation to occur in our lives then it's only going to be found when we root our lives in Jesus because when we root our lives in Jesus, transformation is inevitable. When we root our lives in Jesus, transformation is inevitable. So let me pause right here and remind you of our overarching truth for this series. The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us, but God's word makes things clear for us and God's word points us to Jesus. The transformation is not found in a self-help book. It is found in this book, in God's Word. God's Word points us to Jesus. If we want a truly transformed life, it will be found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So if you have, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 today. Colossians 4, 1 through 6. Now, if you were here last week, then you'll remember we actually ended our passage with Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Now, I said this last week, but this verse and the few preceding verses are not an implication that God is a supporter of slavery, especially the type of unjust slavery that we are familiar with in our own American history. 
But Paul's, Paul's purpose, it wasn't to address whether slavery was right or wrong. Paul's purpose was to address people right where they found themselves, right in the area of, of their life that they were living in so that they would know, so that they would understand that wherever they found themselves, that God's word was applicable to them, that, that wherever they found themselves, whatever relationship they might be in, that, that a relationship with Christ would impact all of those other relationships. Some would have been married, some would have had children, some would have been slaves, and some would have been masters. And so Paul was just addressing them right where they found themselves. Now, that's just kind of a brief recap of what I shared last week. If you want more on that, you can go back and listen to that sermon from last week online. But it's important that we start out again with verse 1 today, because when, before we look at verses 2 through 6, it's important for us to be reminded of this truth, that we have a master and we are his servants. We have a master and we are his servants. So many of you know that my wife, Sarah, she teaches first grade at Stockdale Elementary. And so every once in a while, Sarah will talk to her students about me, and, and so uh, on one particular occasion, she was talking to her students about me, and she referred to me as Pastor Kevin. Now, some of the students misheard what she said, and they thought she called me Master Kevin. <laughs> and so kids began to see me out in public, and they would say, look, it's Master Kevin. <laughs> Understand, I, I have a master, and it's not myself. It's Sarah. <laughs> No, no, no. I have a master, and it's not myself, right? It is Jesus. I am not to be my own master, and you are not to be your own master either. Now, this is a completely countercultural thought for us because in the world, we are being told, be your own master. Do whatever you desire, do whatever makes you happy. If it makes you feel good, if you want to do it, then do it, pursue it. But we're also reminded by God's word that, man, our desires at times lead us astray. That whatever our urges are, are not always right, are not always pure. They lead us into sin at times. And so we have to remember that God has not called us to be happy. He's not called us to happiness. God has called us to holiness. And, and I believe that, that as we pursue this holiness in Christ, there is a happiness, there is a joy that comes to our lives, but God has not called us to happiness. God has called us to holiness. And, and so this holiness, it's not produced in our lives by submitting to ourselves as masters. It's not, it's not produced in our lives by simply doing whatever we desire. This holiness is produced in our lives when we submit to Jesus Christ as Lord, when we submit to him as our master in heaven. But here's the beautiful thing about our master in heaven. We don't have a master that is, is far off and disconnected from us. Rather, we have a master that is, is uh, uniquely involved in our lives, that, that knows us personally, that knows us intimately. We already heard the kids say this multiple times that we are created, designed, and empowered. We were reminded this every single night this week, that we have a master that has created us, designed us, and empowered us for his good works. 
I want you to hear this. You were created on purpose and with a purpose. You were created on purpose and with a purpose. God is not in the business of making mistakes. God made no accident. He made no mistake when he created you. You were created on purpose and with a purpose. And bottom line, the purpose for all of our lives, while, while God may give us each different gifts, talents, and callings, the bottom line purpose for each of our lives is to bring glory to God in every aspect of our life. And so we have been created on purpose and with a purpose and so in our passage this morning, we're going to see how we can bring glory to God in our actions and in our words. And specifically, we're going to focus in on how God has called us to speak, that we might fulfill our purpose that, what, uh, that we were created for by our Master in heaven. With that in mind now, let's read Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It says, Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about the importance of Jesus Christ being central to our relationships. That, that when Jesus is central to our relationships, all of our other relationships that spring forth from this relationship are just going to work the way they should. They're going to function the way they should. It's going to impact these relationships. In the same way, it's important for us to, to remember that we have a master in heaven because when we recognize who our master is, who our true master is, it's going to transform different areas of our life. It's going to transform our relationships with other people. But more importantly, or, or more specifically this morning as we look at this passage, it's going to impact how we speak. It's going to transform how we speak. And so we're going to look at two different uh, areas, two different uh, areas of our speech that this is going to impact, that this is going to transform in our lives. So first, when we know who our true master is, it will impact, it will transform our conversations with God, with our conversations with our masters. That's really what prayer is. Prayer is, is really just a conversation with God. And so the first part of our passage is really dealing with our prayer life, dealing with these conversations with God. And so as we look at our prayer life, as we look at this call for us to, to pray, I want you to see a couple of things this morning. First thing I want you to see as we look at our call to prayer is the strength of our prayer. The strength of our prayer. What does verse 2 say again? It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Now the CSB uses that word devote. Other translations use the word earnestly or to be steadfast in. Really the, the root word there bears this meaning of to be strong. 
And so, in other words, Paul is saying prayer should be a strong suit for the believer. Prayer should be a strong suit for the believer. Now, one of the things we learned this week in VBS is that uh, God has uniquely created us, every single one of us, has been created with different gifts and different talents. And God can use each of these gifts and each of these talents to bring glory to him. But as we look at this call to prayer for the believer, this is not to be understood as a gift or a talent. This is to be understood as something that is to be practiced by every single believer every single day. Prayer is to be something that that every single believer is to be strong in. Now, why do we need to pray? Why do we need to be strong in prayer? Bottom line, we live in a messed up and broken world, right? We don't have to go far to see that, that our world is messed up and broken. You can simply pull out your phone right now and look at social media or look at the news and you will see that we live in a broken and messed up world, a world full of hate, a world full of lies, a world full of murder. We live in a messed up, broken world. Bottom line, it is a world full of lostness and a world full of sin, I want you to hear this. Our world has a sin problem, but Jesus is the solution. The world has a sin problem, but Jesus is the solution. And so we need to be devoted. We need to be strong in prayer, crying out to God, asking him to move, asking him to, to remove the blinders from this generation that, that we might begin to see hearts turning away from sin and turning to Jesus Christ, that they might truly know him as Lord. You know, when I came to First Baptist Stockdale in view of a call back in June of 2021, I preached from Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we see the multitudes turning from their sins and coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Not just a few here and there. Man, we see in the book of Acts, you see just countless people, thousands of people giving their lives to Christ, coming out of their sin. And I believe that the reason why we see this movement is rooted in what we see in in Acts 2.42, what they were devoted to, what the early church was strong in. And one of the things that we see listed there that the early church was strong in was prayer. They were devoted to, they were strong in prayer. Listen, uh, unfortunately in our American church today, I think we have simply been a, become accustomed, we have become satisfied with seeing little to no results when it comes to the salvation of our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors. We have become accustomed, we have become satisfied with the invitation in our churches being just a, a short song before dismissal, with little to no results when it comes to the salvation of the lost. But my desire would be because I know who my master is and because I know the power that our master has, my desire would be that, that our master in heaven, that God would, would shake the church, that God would do something so mighty that it would shake us out of simply accepting the mundane so that we would begin to expect the miraculous. Listen, if you are a believer, if you are a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, don't just accept the mundane. Expect the miraculous. 
But listen, the only way that we can begin to expect the miraculous is if we will begin to be strong in prayer, crying out to him, asking him to move, believing that he can truly do it. Do you believe that God can truly do something like that again? Do you believe that your God is powerful enough to transform the hearts of a lost and broken generation? Do you believe that your master in heaven is powerful enough to bring people to repentance? Because if you believe it, then there's no reason why we can't begin to see it. There's no reason why we can't have our, our aisles flooded with those turning from their sins, coming to know the Lord each and every Sunday. But I do believe that we need to be strong in prayer, crying out to God, asking him to do it. So we see the strength of our prayer. Second thing I want you to see is the specifics of our prayer. We're going to look at verses verse verses three and four. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of the specifics of our prayer, but but I want you to see the specific, thing, the specific things that Paul asks for the Colossian church to pray for him. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to, to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. In other words, Paul is saying, while we're on the subject of prayer, would you pray that God would give us the opportunity for the opportunities and the faithfulness to share the gospel with those that need to hear it. Now think about this prayer from Paul. Paul is currently in chains. He is currently in prison for sharing the gospel, for proclaiming Christ. And yet he's saying, pray for more opportunities. Pray for more, more opportunities for us to share the gospel with boldness and faithfulness even if it means more chains, even if it means more prison time, pray that God would give me the faithfulness and the opportunities to share. Now, how could he pray such a prayer? Well, I believe that it's because Paul knew that the good news of Jesus is greater than the bad news of this world. Paul's in chains. Paul's in prison. That's bad news. But he also knows there's an even worse news that Every single person apart from Christ because of the sin that is in our lives is in a greater bondage. We are in greater chains apart from Christ, imprisoned by our sin, separated from God, and destined for an eternity in hell. But God, in his great love for us, sent Jesus into this world, and this is the greater news than the bad news of this world. That Jesus came to die for your sins and for mine. And through him, we don't just, we're not just set free from physical chains. We are set free from these spiritual chains in our life. So Paul says, pray that we might have both the opportunities and the faithfulness to share the gospel with those that need to hear it. Would you allow that to be your prayer today? that God would allow us to have more opportunities to share, that God would, would allow us to have the faithfulness to share the gospel with those that need to hear it. You know, this week we had, uh, we had over 100 kids registered for Vacation Bible School, and our biggest night we had 87 kids here. This place was filled 
each and every night. We had opportunities to share the gospel in our Bible study time through missions, through crafts, through music. Man, the kids were hearing the gospel all week long. But I want you to understand one week out of the year is not enough. We need more opportunities to share. We need more faithfulness to share the gospel that we might be able to share in our schools, that we might be able to share in our neighborhoods, in our in, in where we work, maybe in our own families. We need those opportunities and the faithfulness to share the gospel. So would you allow that to be your prayer today? And we can pray these prayers, and we can know that God will answer these prayers because we know who our true master is. It's not a master here on this earth. It is a master in heaven. So we see the this strength of our prayers. We see the specifics of our prayers. We see how our conversations with God are transformed when we know who our true master is. But also and quickly, when we know who our true master is, it will impact our conversations with others. Let's read verses five and six again. It says, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. When we know who our true master is, it will impact, it will transform our conversations with others. Specifically, Paul is talking about uh, unbelievers, how we should interact, how we should talk with unbelievers. That's what that word outsider is refer referring to, those who are outside of the faith, those who are outside of the church. But God's desire was not for them to remain on the outside. In fact, God's desire is for the outsiders to become the insiders. God's desire is for the outsiders to become the insiders. In fact, God's in the business of taking outsiders and, be, and making them insiders. How do I know this? As I look around the room, I see a lot of insiders that used to be outsiders. Right? Even if you grew up within the walls of a church building before you came to that saving faith in Jesus Christ. You were an outsider to the faith. But as soon as you gave your life to Christ, you became an insider. You became a part of that faith. God's desire is to, to take outsiders and make them insiders through Jesus Christ. Not simply church members, but a member of his greater family. So recognizing that God desires for outsiders to become insiders, then, then we see these instructions for how we are to interact with outsiders. And we see Paul talk about how we act and how we speak with insiders. Bottom line, what he's saying is how we live and what we say matters. How we live and what we say matters. I want you to know that God has called us as believers for our lives to align with the gospel that we proclaim. Our lives should be a reflection, not just inside these walls, but when we're outside of these walls, when we're at work, when we're at home, our lives should be a reflection of the gospel that we hold to, that we believe that has, has given us this salvation. But not only should the gospel impact how we act and, and how we live, it should impact how we speak with others as well. It should impact how we speak. Paul says, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. Now, salt is something that adds flavoring. Any salt lovers out there, you just, you add salt to everything, right? Salt adds flavoring. 
And so Paul says, Paul says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Now, this is not to imply that we need to sugarcoat the gospel, right? We are to stand on the truth of God's word, understanding that there are going to be people in the world that do not like the truth of God's word. But bottom line, how we act and how we speak to others, it should not leave a bad taste in the unbeliever's mouth. You know, unfortunately, many times the where I see the worst come out in those that call themselves Christians is on social media. As people sit behind the veil of a screen or, or the phone and they just go on the attack, trying to destroy arguments. And, and many times what I see is not just arguments being destroyed, but unfortunately I see the unbeliever being destroyed in the process. So it's important for us to remember our goal is not to destroy the unbeliever. Our goal is to deliver a message of truth and hope. Not wavering on truth, standing on truth, but delivering this message of truth and hope. And our message is to be seasoned with salt. Our words are to be gracious to the unbeliever, understanding that at one point in time, we too were an outsider. We too were blind to the truth. That's the issue. They're still blind to the truth. Let's deliver a message of truth and hope that Jesus Christ might come into their life, remove those blinders, that they might be transformed as well. You know, my desire today as you have heard the, the truth of God's word, as you have heard the gospel, my desire is that, that you have heard this message of truth and hope. And for some, my desire is that, that you would be strengthened in this message of truth and hope. If you're a believer already, that you would walk away strengthened in this message of truth and hope, reminded of the salvation that we have in Jesus but if you're here and you would say, I've never truly surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as Lord. Maybe you've been in a church building many times. Maybe you've been in this church building many times. But you would say, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as Lord. Then my desire would be that you would have that opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And this is going to be your opportunity to respond. <coughs> And I said it already, as we get ready to move into this invitation, don't just accept the mundane, begin to expect the miraculous. And so if you have that relationship with Jesus Christ, begin praying in a room this size. I know that there's at least one person in here that needs to respond to Jesus Christ as Lord. Begin praying right now, believers, that God would move. Begin expecting the miraculous, that God would move in someone's heart today, that he would draw them out of their sin and bring them to repentance. If you're here and that's you, and you need to make that decision, let the miraculous happen in your life today. Let salvation happen in your life today. Don't resist it any longer. But as we sing, I'm going to be standing down front. Would you step out of your seat and join me down here? Let's talk. Let's pray. Today, this message of truth and hope can be a message for you. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ already. I know him as Lord, but I've never taken that step of baptism. If you need to make that commitment to be baptized, something God calls all believers to do, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk, we can pray, we can make that commitment together today. 
Maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized already by immersion. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God is calling me to make this my church home. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's pray together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.